buckle up your pant legs, zip up your hats, and stud up your belts. It's time for Sounds of I Light, a podcast for the last time about Kingdom Hearts 2. I'm Sam. I'm Drew. This is, you know, we pro- arguably, we could split this into two episodes. Arguably, yes. Um, As I was taking my notes, I did get increasingly concerned. <laughs> I suppose there's a world in which we could call it if it's going on too long. Uh, yeah, we could. But on the other hand, I looked and I saw that this would be our 13th episode, and I said, ooh, how fanatic. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, never mind. So, yeah, we have to do, it doesn't matter how long this episode is. <laughs> yeah, I did want to say that I, 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 owned, I was a proud owner of a stud belt from my junior year of high school through, I think, like my sophomore year of college. I never had one. I don't think that I thought I was cool enough. That was really my only foray into a, I don't know what you, what you want to call it at the time, an, an, an emo accoutrement. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I don't know. I, I I doubt it looked as cool as I thought it did. Well, I think it it all gets pulled together if you have the the cherry on top, just the littlest bit of visible tummy. Uh, occasionally, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it worked for Riku. Yeah. Yeah. What a style. Yeah. Well, let's let's get right into it in case this episode ends up being four hours long. Uh, they are at the world that never was, the castle that never was, more specifically. Uh, Sora calls out to Kyrie, but in the most classic Kingdom Hearts 2 Mickey fashion, Mickey tells Sora to shut the fuck up. Yeah, it, it was funny because I, I was like, oh, great, it's the thing where a hero just runs in and yells people's names, but then Mickey immediately calls him out. So I'm like, okay, cool. Glad we're, <laughs> glad we know that's not what we should be doing. But Mickey, like, shushes him, much like he did uh, in Ansem's computer room. And then Mickey runs off, and then Donald, like, loudly yells, wait, wait, wait. And Mickey doesn't care about that at all. Yeah, he's okay if Donald Duck dies. <laughs> he specifically wants Sora to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Uh, did you like Naminé and Kyrie's comical run? Well, that's how I run when I'm being, when I'm absorbing my nobody. I don't think that it would have looked as silly if one of them did a girly little run, but them holding hands and doing the exact same girly little run <laughs> together well, as they escape. They're the same person, kind of, so they, they, they run the same. Yeah, and it makes sense, and it looked very... Very cool. It yeah, it's very cool. Uh, I mean, Kyrie becomes a badass this episode. I don't, I don't know how she's gonna maintain that reputation if she's doing a run like that. It's just the confidence to do a run like that while being a badass. <laughs> uh, but Syx appears. I somehow I didn't know until the other day that Syx's voice actor is Shadow the Hedgehog. Oh yeah, sure is. I, yeah, yeah. How that you say that? <laughs> Once you realize it, it just slots right into place. <laughs> he, uh, he he should have been the one with the gun then. No, how dare you talk about taking Zigbar's gun away from him? Well, he's dual wielding. He's dual wielding. He's got like a needler. Uh, Syx could just have an AK forty seven. I have the power of AK forty seven. But then he wouldn't have his giant honking sword. It is a pretty cool honking sword. It's a pretty cool sword. Uh, Syx does one of his favorite jokes here, because uh, Kyrie basically says, I'm not 
I'm not gonna do what you tell me. And Sayak says, If I had a heart, this would be where I'd die of laughter. He's just f- f- uh, further proving that nobodies don't understand how hearts work or what hearts do. Um, uh, yeah, if I had a heart, I'd die of laughter. And I'd probably stop farting so much. <laughs> We nobodies have no heart and no funny bone. That's right. But when we assemble Kingdom Funny Bone, we will get all of our funny bones back. If I had a heart, I'd be really good at skateboarding. Did you did you like when uh, they arrive outside of the castle and they look up in the sky and they see the big like yellow heart shaped moon and they go Kingdom Hearts and then they turn a little bit and there's a big yellow uh, crying laughing emoji in the sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. It's it is always I I it feels weird when they say the name of the game. It feels like they shouldn't do that. <laughs> there's a there's a very powerful line in here somewhere where one character says like. What just happened? And another one just replies, Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> yes, very powerful. Getting a little meta. Yeah. Um, but then Riku appears, hood up as always, and he kills all of the nobodies that Saix has has summoned. And uh, Namine calls out to him and calls him Riku. And Kairi says, what? What? It's Riku. We see his, his new keyblade. Riku's got a keyblade. Yeah, it kind of looks like his old sword with a little bit of a key on it. Yeah, it's it's called Way to the Dawn, which is a, a reference, of course, to uh, him telling uh, Diz that he's a light-dark centrist at the end of Chain of Memories. Right, right, right. Uh, and yeah, it looks like Soul Eater, but there's there's like yeah, a wing coming off to make the 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 quote the quote unquote teeth of the key. Mm-hmm. But also the guard. I actually never knew this until I was doing a little bit of research the other day. Uh, the guard of the Keyblade is one demon wing and one angel wing, and those are the, the very same wings from the guards of Oathkeeper and Oblivion. Fun oh, fact. Okay, because yeah. he, he's your he's your angle and your devil. Okay, <laughs> Riku truly could be your angle and or your devil. Yeah. Uh, he then slams Saix against the wall, which I did like to see. Yeah, yeah. Riku is very cool in this part throughout, basically. He also does a dark Fyraga, which he he sort of Kamehameha's it. Yeah, it's Kamehameha adjacent. Uh, but yeah, he he slams Saix into the wall, and Saix just smiles and then like opens a corridor of darkness and just gloops through the wall. It's pretty funny. That was a good move. I and then uh, Kyrie pulls his hood off and says, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, and this is you know. They get into it some more. It is strange that embracing darkness makes him just look like Ansem, but not act any differently at all. Riku, puberty has really, I mean, it's working for you, let's be real, but... Sora's it, definitely it, like, it's definitely that year, it's like 8th grade, where Sora come back, comes back in the summer, and there's like two kids that look like Ansem, and, all the, <laughs> and then like, you know, Kyrie's gotten taller than him too, and he just has not hit that growth spurt yet. uh i will say on the subject of him becoming ansem i don't know if you remember exactly what was going on here but basically the explanation from chain of memories is that the darkness in riku's heart ansem kind of took root in it Mm -hmm. so basically in order to access the darkness at all he has to sort of tap into the 
little residual bit of Anson is what's going on. No, and that, and that makes sense. It's just funny that it doesn't. Does come- it? Yeah, I think so. It doesn't just. It just look how far you've come. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the in this world, it makes sense to me. <laughs> I think it's just more like it's weird to me that he can get that and not act like Ansem in any way. Uh huh. Well, I think I think that was a big part of why he wore the blindfold. Was he he says he says somewhere here like my eyes were lying to me, so I I covered them up or something like that. So he's like, if I'm if I'm going to let Ansem's power envelop me in this way, I will know that I can trust the one thing that would never lead me astray, my powerful Toucan Sam nose. Yeah. Yeah, this place must really stink. Oh my god, it's got to smell terrible. Good thing they stopped talking about it and never will again. <laughs> except for kind of in some secret Ansem reports. Yeah, well, nobody read those except for <laughs> me on this podcast. True, true, true. Uh, but yeah, it's it's nice to see um, Kyrie and Riku together because obviously, since we're following Sora all the time, it's easy to forget that the two of them are also friends. Yeah, yeah, they know each other. <laughs> but yeah, i i liked I liked the little detail that when she takes his hood off, he like can't make eye contact with her in his handsome form. That was nice. Yeah. I don't get why he's so embarrassed by it, but yeah. Well, you know. I guess, well, never mind. I guess if you think about, like... This is the evil man who possessed him and tried to kill Kyrie. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like, if to save my friends I had to look like Hitler, I'd feel kind of weird, I suppose. <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like a right-wing, like, Oh, so you're saying that if a Make-A-Wish <laughs> child had a gun to his head and had to dress like Hitler to save his friends... <laughs> And that's why no one will debate me. And there was a meteor falling to Earth, and the only thing that could repel it was me wearing a Hitler outfit. And that's that's why I have the Hitler outfit. And that's just in case, <laughs> if that day should come. And I like to wear it sometimes as practice. Yeah. Uh, that was a, a character. Neither of us feel that way. Uh Sora and friends arrive on a big rectangular platform uh, that I assume Xemnas built for boss fights. We're going to have a lot of boss fights in here, so we got the contractors in and they they built the boss fight chamber. This room is kind of fascinating because it looks like an arena, like there's balconies overlooking this big boss fight platform. I would love to know what they did here. Maybe he made the the organization members fight each other in here for for sport. I guess this is where they spar. Yeah. Or they make like, maybe they make like Dusk's fight and the Dusk that wins the tournament gets <laughs> turned into a regular nobody. It's part of, it's part of Poker Night. They, they bet on Dusk fights. Oh my God. The idea <laughs> that a Dusk would get promoted and we find out like, oh, that's where Demix came from. <laughs> oh no. The little Dusk that could. That guy um, that gets, the guy, the guy that dies in Kingdom Hearts 1, uh, becomes the oh. first Heartless you see. He, he gets promoted. The thought of one of the organization pulling off his hood and it's that guy. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, Someone needs to make a mod of that. I would like uh, that. But it won't be me, because I don't know how. Me neither. Uh, Syx is on one of those balconies and tells Sora that Kyrie is catching up with her friend from the darkness and doesn't need Sora anymore. And Sora... 
I love that they try to like manipulate Sora. You said you watched the the Zemnis boss fight. Yeah. Did you there there was a lot of like Zemnis uh combat dialogue where he was saying like can you really trust Riku? Yeah, I, I heard a lot of that. Yeah. And Sora just is not at all susceptible to that, but they always try it. it yeah, it doesn't make sense to do to Sora. He would never believe that. No, and he doesn't. When Saix is like, Kyrie doesn't need you anymore, and Sora's like, bullshit, I'm not going to fall for that. <laughs> Who do you think I am? Uh... There's a there's a clown moment. Sorry, the game fucked up. This is one of one of the few Kingdom Hearts clown moments where uh something just straight up doesn't make sense because Saix is like we don't need you anymore. Kingdom Hearts is done. Now all we need is for you to kill some more heartless to complete Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, is that a, is that a translation thing or just like a Oh, I don't know. I didn't think to look into it. Yeah, or may- I, I I assume maybe maybe what was intended is like I don't need to manipulate you anymore. You're gonna kill these heartless whether you like it or not. Maybe Th- I don't know. That would make more sense. Or it's like there's other keyboards around. Someone will do it. Yeah, maybe I did. I did like when he looks at Kingdom Hearts and goes, "Can you hear their euphoria?" There's a lot of talking about Kingdom Hearts where I'm like, does Kingdom Hearts have like sentience or like intention or something? I think keep- it does, because it's basically an amalgamation of all the hearts. I mean, in this case, uh, at some point we're going to have to really get into what Kingdom Hearts is, and I fucking dread that day. <laughs> but They don't explain it this, here. No, this Kingdom Hearts is an amalgamation of hearts taken from, I mean, people, which then became heartless, and then were reclaimed and sent to Kingdom Hearts. So it is just a giant Katamari of hearts. So I suppose it has feeling, but maybe not thought. Uh, yeah, maybe. It's just, just like pure instinct. I mean, that's how the heartless are established to work. Right. Yeah, makes sense. Sure, why not? Sure. Uh, until we find out that that's not true in a future game. But God help us if Nomura ever decides to really dig into <laughs> the actual literal reality of Kingdom Hearts. I would like him to, maybe, but I'm worried about what the answer would be. Yeah, it it might be better not to know. Or it might be better to know. We'll see. But uh, this is the first of multiple times in this episode, but not the first of the entire game where uh, a character just gets swarmed and, and, like, knocked on their ass by Heartless. Yeah, Kyrie like, does her cool jump, and then you're like, oh, sick jump, and then she just gets dogpiled immediately. Right, because... is Sora? Do Sora and Kyrie both get swarmed? Yeah, they both get swarmed here. Oh, I thought you were, I thought you were talking about Kyrie, but you're right. Sora gets swarmed. That's and- right, because Sora sees Kyrie up on the balcony and is like, "Oh my god, Kyrie!" And he's so happy to see her that he forgets that there's Heartless standing right behind him, and they just tackle him to the ground. Yeah, because I had a dog pile count of five for the game. <laughs> for the game, and in this section, there's I think four of them. <laughs> Well, there. W- I know that before this was Maleficent and Axel. Oh, you're right. So it must be six. Okay. Six total. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Kyrie sees Sora get dogpiled and is like, no, Sora. And she jumps down to protect him. And then she gets dogpiled by shadows. <laughs> yeah. By the way, the shadows in the cutscenes are really strong. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, there's a part that we see later where it's just like Riku solo facing off against one shadow. <laughs> 
Yeah, that is weird after you've played this much of the game, but maybe these are just these are buff shadows because of the Kingdom Heart. I don't know. Yeah, sure. I'll accept that. Um, uh, but yeah, Riku helps Kairi up and hands her a keyblade of her very own. It's called Destiny's Embrace. She gets the girl keyblade. It's got flowers on it. Yeah, it's got flowers, but it's also got waves and sand and a Paupu fruit uh, keychain token. It is flowers, but I think it's more the island. Than no, you're right. It's a cool. It's girl. cool. I just, I just think that everybody else has these like very badass keyblades now, and hers is more pretty than badass. Yes, I will say uh, there's there's some mysteries from Nomura that I don't <laughs> think have been answered yet on. Riku and Kairi's keyblades here. Hmm. Uh, he says that Riku used Soul Eater as an intermediary, and then Kairi was just given her keyblade from somebody else. I don't know if those mysteries, whatever they are, have been answered. I literally just found a quote from him that was like, please keep this in mind. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of, yeah, I didn't really think about how how the hell Riku got a spare keyblade to hand to yeah, Kyrie. Yeah, we, we've never seen anyone give someone a keyblade like that before. Yeah, I they usually, think. like, manifest. Yeah, I mean, Sora gave his to Jack Sparrow, but... But that was a prank. Yeah, and at the end of this episode, uh, Kyrie's keyblade does disappear, and then Jack Sparrow has it. Um, <laughs> he says, with this, I will kill Sora. <laughs> My best friend. <laughs> Even though I don't need to anymore, because this was why I wanted to. Oh, well, pirate... No, I'm not going back on my word. I'm a pirate of my word. Uh, Kyrie says, uh, this time I'll fight. You know Sora's completely hopeless without us, which I did like. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if I said this on the podcast. I, I This is my correction corner in case I did fuck up. Because I thought this whole time that uh, Hayden Panettiere was only Kyrie in the first game. And that Allison Stoner was Kyrie every other game after that. Uh, but I was wrong. This was Hayden Panettiere. So I'm sorry if I got that wrong on the podcast. And if I didn't, this was a joke. You got it wrong to me. So. Okay. <laughs> so prob- so this, is, this is my apology to you. Thank you. Yeah. And they're probably I, on the I, podcast, but just apologize really to me. <laughs> I also thought that Britney Snow was nominee all the time, but that was literally just in uh, in this game. So that was also a fuck up on my part. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I really blew it. I really, I honestly have no right to do this podcast, but I, I'll keep doing it because I started. So I'm going to finish. Yeah, you got to finish anyway. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kyrie starts uh, kicking ass for the first time since the unaired pilot. <laughs> yeah, it was good to see. I'm glad that she finally got to do a thing. Yeah, I, I did. I also like that. Uh, I think it comes across in the animation that. Kyrie's fighting style is not as experienced and refined as Sora and Riku's. I thought that was that was good. Yeah, yeah, no, it shouldn't be, and that's good because we haven't seen her train, so she can't fight. Okay, she does fight. She just isn't good at it, right? She has to be bad. <laughs> so I'm just doing the Star Wars nerd thing. Oh right, oh right. Of course, I don't yes, actually yes, believe yes, that. That was me just, you know, channeling the chuds. <laughs> uh we need to do less of that on this podcast sure and yet i was speaking of star wars oh no sorry i, I was skipping ahead we'll be speaking of star wars very soon yeah, yeah we will be uh Syx, who is still up on the balcony just looks across to the opposite balcony and sees pete and maleficent and he basically just rolls his eyes and leaves <laughs> these fucking guys 
what the fuck are they doing here? Uh, but Maleficent explains what the fuck she's doing here. She just says, this castle looks really epic. I've been looking for an epic castle. Let's have this one. Is this really her only motivation to have a cool castle? For now, that is basically what she's trying to do. Is just She's just trying to land on her feet. That's fair. She did die. She did die, but even before she died, she got kicked out by the bastard Prince Philip or whatever his name was. Oh, right. Yeah, she's she's just trying to find a place to call her own. And so what if she turns thousands of people into Heartless to do so? That's just girl bossing. God forbid an evil fairy do anything. Right. Uh, Pete says that this this is no place to live. It's way too close to the realm of darkness. The Heartless are too strong here. They'll never listen to her. Uh, but Maleficent, uh, she smiles like she knows something that we don't. And I don't know what that is. But... Yeah, she's up, she's up to something, I guess. I thought she was just kind of like, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just stronger than you think, Pete. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's all it was. I'll turn into a dragon and scare them. Yeah. Uh, now we can talk about Yoda Man. Yoda Man. Yoda Man. Mickey Mouse is here. Yo- Mickey Mouse is just kind of Yoda in this part. <laughs> Woo! Woo! He's doing sick flips. He's got a high-pitched little voice. He is a little dude with a sword. He's just little Yoda. He's a little Yoda, and Yoda is already a little Yoda, so he's basically Yoda at that point. Yeah. Uh, he he finds Diz on the ground, surrounded by dusks, and rescues him. Diz has a big gun. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a goofy gumball machine. It does kind of look. It does look a little bit like Tom Servo. <laughs> yes, he's just gonna he's gonna go blast Zenmus with Tom Servo. I'm gonna I'm gonna put Kingdom Hearts into a into a little capsule toy. <laughs> uh, Diz removes his bandages, and the magic that has been obscuring his face sizzles away. And it's Ansem the Wise. What? What? I can say now uh, that I mean I I cut it from last week. Basically, every time we've read a secret Ansem report, I've given you an opportunity to piece together that Diz is Ansem the Wise. And only only last week did I finally ask, do you know who, who Ansem the Wise is? Yeah, and unfortunately I knew because it had been spoiled for me, not because I'm, yeah. not cause I'm smart. Yeah. But I think I, I, probably, I, I think I probably could have got there, though. I mean, like a lot of things in these games, it's pretty easy to put together if you read the Ansem reports. The problem is nobody does that, because why would you? Yeah, they. I mean, a lot of times they're just repeating information you know, and then there's like a couple big things you don't know. Right, and I've got about seven of those lined up this episode. Oh, cool. <laughs> One of them is coming pretty soon. But yeah, uh, Mickey... Uh, sort of chastises Ansem for not asking for help way earlier than this before it got so bad, I think is how he says it. Yeah, yes, very good point, Mickey. But Ansem, he's he's really shitting on himself. He's like, it was my burden to bear. Uh, I, I, have, I have no excuse. Riku told me that I was making a mistake, but I, I didn't, I didn't want to turn away, etc. I really like seeing Mickey, like, genuinely disappointed and angry with Ansem. Yeah, he's he's pissed at Ansem and I think that's the right reaction. Like he'll he'll cut Sora some slack because he's like 15 or 16, but Ansem is an old man who was the president of a castle. 
Yeah, he really doesn't have an excuse. Yeah. Uh and Ansem uh says he was he was obsessed with getting revenge on his apprentices. Uh Riku, which I he did know that it was Riku. I don't remember how he knew that Oh no, he knew because he sent Riku to capture Roxas. Yeah. And then Ansem returned with Roxas. That's right. Yeah. And he already knew about Riku's connection with Ansem. Anyway, um so this is where we get uh a follow-up on a moment that I I did call attention to way back in the beginning of this game when quote-unquote Ansem removes his hood and reveals his identity to Diz and Diz just laughs and goes <laughs> it's an honor Ansem right because he's uh, like you're, yeah you're fucking not Ansem bro yeah which is cool because before you get this moment here that that I'm about to talk about you kind of assume what once you figure out that Diz is Ansem, it's like, oh, he was laughing because he knew that it was a lie. But it, it kind of gets recontextualized here because Ansem says uh, he realized in that moment that Riku had become a victim of his plot for revenge. And he was so ashamed that all he could do to hide it was to laugh. I was like, oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I like that he's like showing contrition. Even if it it doesn't really change that he's a huge dick. <laughs> yes, I because I mean he's been on this revenge quest for I think like ten plus years now. Yeah, it's a long time. And yeah, I think spending time with uh Riku and Namine and even a little bit with Sora and Roxas has sort of made him realize that his quest for revenge is kind of fucking up the lives of all of these young people. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and I mean, he, you know, it's, you understand why he's angry. <laughs> yes. But it doesn't really change anything. His, his apprentices did send him to hell. Yeah. For uh, telling them to stop being evil. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but he says that it's time for him to make amends to these young people whose lives he's torn apart. And he picks up his big weird gun. <laughs> yeah. It turns out it's not really a gun. It's not a gun, but when you don't know what it is, it kind of looks like he's saying, I'm going to go fucking blow Zemnis' head off. You know, in a way, he's kind of aiming for that. I guess he is. Uh, Sora undogpiles himself, uh, and he sees Kyrie fighting side by side with Ansem, and he's like, what? 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 <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I mean, he kind of always assumed he'd have to protect her, and so it's new for him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Zigbar interrupts, and, uh, there's a very weird exchange here where Zigbar goes, Have you been a good boy? And Sora just ignores that and says, Show yourself! And Zigbar goes, Oh, sounds like you haven't. <laughs> At some point, Zigbar says, As if... Because yeah, he says that a lot. I don't know if you've noticed that that's his catchphrase. I hadn't. I guess it's the 2000s, and that is the, the realm of as if... Yeah, I actually, until I revisited Kingdom Hearts in recent years, I had completely forgotten that Zigbar has a full-on as-if catchphrase. Yeah, Very he, cool. He's just a, he's a, uh, the hot girl at school, and he's saying, as if... <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and gag me with a spoon? <laughs> Does he say that? No. Okay. Uh, 
he calls Sora Roxas, uh, which a lot of nobodies will be doing in this part, uh, which Sora does not appreciate or understand. No. Uh, they fight. Uh, I did I did send you videos of all the boss fights for this part because the powers are pretty wild compared to like, oh, Larxene has lightning. Zigbar, if you remember, his element, his affinity is space. And his weapon is gun. That's why he's got the needler from Halo, because it's space. Because he's from space. Yeah. Well, he uses his affinity for space to literally stick his hands through portals and shoot from other places that he's not standing. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. He also, if I remember correctly, sometimes he just, like, walks upside down in the sky. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like a fun fight. I think his is honestly the least interesting power, but it still looks neat. Oh, that's that's surprising. I or do you mean like mechanically or just conceptually? Actually, you know what? His is no. What I just think that <laughs> Luxords is the most interesting to me. <laughs> it doesn't get much more interesting than that. Yeah. And- uh, did you catch one of Zigbar's battle quotes, uh, which is "R for reload." I did not. Oh, he's... Crackpot Corner. Yeah. Zigbar is uh, a first-person shooter character from an obscure, long-lost Square Enix title. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> he's not actually a Final Fantasy man. He's, he's from some other video game. That is such a bizarre, like, fourth-wall-breaking thing when Kingdom Hearts normally doesn't. I mean, the whole series is sort of a fourth-wall-break, but never that literally. Well, you don't ever get to see the face of your Call of Duty character. Maybe he's a Call of Duty character. (laughs) That's right. It's me, Soap McTavish. (laughs) I was going to say Soap. Isn't that the... I feel like that's the name in every Call of Duty game. It's just a couple of them. And soap, soap, and Captain Price. Soap and Captain Price. Those are, I think, the only names I could name. I remember uh, McGregor. I think was in Call of Duty Two. He was my boy. Oh, I remember Mason because of the numbers. Uh, I remember uh, Vasily Koslov. Oh, I played a fucking lot of Call of Duty Two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was the it was the style at the time. <laughs> that that was just what you did back then. Yep. <laughs> uh. Anyway. Uh. They fight. Sora wins. He asks Zigbar, why Why did you call me Roxas? And Zigbar just laughs and dies. Yeah, are they fucking with him, or are they just forgetting? Or are they, or are they <sighs> talking? I think they're just fucking with him. Or are they just trying to talk directly to Roxas, who they know is inside of him? I think that they are literally just trying to piss Sora off so he'll keep killing Heartless. It's weird and confusing, though, because one would think... That since their whole goal is to create Kingdom Hearts and get their hearts back, one would think that they have some element of self-preservation. Clearly not. They all just want to get murdered. Yeah, the their willingness to just throw themselves at Sora and die does kind of, kind of make me wonder what they were going for. Maybe that's a question we're supposed to ask? Yeah, because like they're ul- they're ultimately supposed to be really selfish, you know. Unless it's like, oh, we just want to make sure Kingdom Hearts gives hearts back to all the other uh, nobodies. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make sense I to guess... me because they created a million nobodies to get the hearts that they needed to create Kingdom Hearts. I guess it is worth uh, keeping in mind for that question that uh, not every organization member is so chill about dying. Like 
Vexen really didn't want to die. Axel only sacrificed himself uh, for Sora. Larkseen, I remember, was really, really pissed off about dying. So, yeah, I guess it's not all of them. These ones in particular seem pretty chill about it, though. They're the ones that kind of seem to care more about fighting than living. Actually, you know what? Syx is really not happy about it, come to think of it. Because Syx has goals. I think Zigbar just didn't really have goals, and Luxor is just a weird gambling man. <laughs> just a weird pervert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with a with a very interesting transformation-related kink. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad those dice... We'll get there very, very soon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Ansem and Mickey, uh, go to, they, they see, they, they're, they're on a balcony above the balconies above the balcony, and they're, like, looking down at Kyrie and Riku fighting Heartless. This is where we see Riku just, like, really facing off against one shadow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, like, dodges out of his way and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Secret Ansem Report 3. Whoa. Chaos affects not only this world, but many other worlds besides. In the Ansem's reports my apprentice Xehanort had written under my name, I found the records of his hideous experiments, along with his hypothesis about the door that had appeared out of the darkness in my basement. (laughs) Weird way to say that. All living things have hearts, and all hearts hold darkness deep within. Worlds are no exception. If a world is a being, the heart it holds must be colossal, and the darkness at its core must be monstrous indeed. Did Xehanort pass through that door in an attempt to contact that dark realm? No, not only Xehanort. It appears my other five apprentices, believing it was for the sake of research, stared deep into the darkness and were pulled into it. Evan, Ienzo, Brague, Dylan, and Alias. They have ceased to be human. I too have had everything taken away from me, banished to a hollow realm of nothingness. What is Xehanort hoping to gain with my pilfered existence? Will my people cease to smile? If the light of hope has been extinguished, I shall henceforth walk with darkness as a friend, here in the realm of nothingness to which I have been relegated. Darkness in the midst of nothing. Darkness in zero. Thus, I shall be known as Diz, discarding the stolen name Ansem and going in search of revenge. Okay. All right. I guess I... That's so fucking cool! (laughs) I don't know if I think it's that cool, but it, make, it makes more <laughs> it makes more sense now. It's a Disney reference, but <laughs> oh, wait, darkness it, in zero. Oh, because it's Disney, yeah, Diz, yeah. Okay, did that never occur to you? No, nope. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. Uh, yeah. What did we learn here? Uh, I think the trouble with a lot of these Ansem reports is that I gave you a lot of this lore in Kingdom Hearts One when I wasn't supposed to know it yet. <laughs> right. Uh. But yeah, we. Th- I think this is the first time we get most of the apprentices' names. I think he mentioned Ienzo in another one before, but we got names. We got Diz. Yeah, we, most of we got. I mean, yeah, it is the how why he named himself Diz, and then it, yeah, it is. I suppose you probably haven't heard all their names before like that. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure there was one report where he said like spurred on by my youngest apprentice Ienzo. Yeah, but I think I don't. I don't think we had heard any of the others' names before. No, I don't think so. Uh, that's that one. I've got a bunch more where that came from, <laughs> so I tried to read it pretty fast. Uh, we go up to the roof of the castle, where Kingdom Hearts is absorbing more and more hearts by the second, and it looks pretty fucking cool. It does look kind of cool. I really like the the big, like, super bright yellow moon with... 
I, I think I think we see like the little sort of glittering pink hearts floating up to it. Yeah. And Xemnas is just celebrating like a sicko. <laughs> I mean, he's winning, so yeah. He he's he's earned it. Uh and Syx appears and asks if he can end this charade. And Xemnas says yes, and Syx smiles like a lunatic, which is a joke about the moon, which is his power, haha, and goes to kill Sora. What charade is he ending? Is he just mean I'm gonna kill Sora and stop Sora from doing stuff? Uh I think I this is this is one of those lines that no one can quite agree on what it means. But I think I think what he's referring to is the mask is coming off here. Like every time he's interacted with Sora, he's been pretty distant, very, very calm and like like level headed, but also very like cold. Oh, I think but- I think this is where Syx is saying, "Sir, permission to go absolutely apeshit." Right, because his whole thing is like he goes berserk and stuff. Yes, that is that is his fight mechanic is going berserk. Okay, yeah. Doesn't how can uh, somebody without emotions go berserk? That's a great question. Mm-hmm. I guess the answer to that is that in this case, berserk is not uh, an emotional state; it is a Final Fantasy status effect. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a uh, yeah, it's more of a physical state of being. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when he does it, I I don't know if you got a good look at it in the in the in the fight video, but he does like he goes really weird. Like his eyes glow yellow. He he really like loses himself in it. It's it's pretty freaky. Yeah, he does a big combo afterward. He he sure fucking does. Uh, Sora and friends catch up to Kyrie and tell her how badass she is now. Uh, and Sora, this is nice, Sora, like, he starts to apologize for not coming home before this, but Kairi just hugs him. Oh, I like that. Yay. And Riku, who, uh, again, still looks like Ansem Seeker of Darkness, just says nothing and pops open a corridor of darkness and starts to leave. (laughs) It's funny to see someone who looks like like Ansem looking very pensive watching them and feeling kind of sad. Yes, just like, oh god, I gotta get over here, I gotta get out of here before he tries to talk to me. (laughs) Uh, but Sora stops him and is like, hey, Xehanort's heartless. You know, thinking about everything you did still really makes me angry, but you saved Kairi, so thanks for that. And Kairi just, Kairi's just like, hey, that's Riku, actually. I was glad she did that. People don't do that enough in this game, so nice for someone just yeah. to say the thing. Just cutting through the bullshit, yeah. Uh, and Kairi's like, Sora, can you please talk to him so he doesn't just keep running away? And Sora's like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> uh, and this this is a nice moment where uh, she ha- she has Sora like hold Riku's hand and close his eyes, and he sees Riku standing there, and he's so so relieved that Riku is okay that he just completely falls to his knees and starts crying. This is a a, a, a classic Kingdom Hearts moment. Uh, I, I looked for you, I looked everywhere for you, and Riku just goes, pull it together, man. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very, very in character for him. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's really nice. Um, it is nice. Uh, but you know what's not nice is Riku. <laughs> no. No, no, no. <laughs> because Goofy says, were you the one leaving clues for us? And Riku just goes, huh, I was starting to think you'd never catch on. Sora never did pick the brightest friends. <laughs> Doesn't he say Sora's friends are all idiots at some point? Uh, 
That might have been your words. Ah, uh, I just thought that's a big cell phone, though. Yes, I I think that he was kind of taking a shot at himself, and oh, okay. Kyrie did get caught in the <laughs> caught in the crossfire. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he he admits uh, he he's just like I I didn't want you to see me like this, uh, and he also says he he doesn't know for sure if he can change back. But he definitely can't while he might still need the power of darkness for this fight. And Sora says, well, you're you're Riku no matter what. So let's fucking finish this shit. And now Riku joins the party. Hell yeah. I, I liked their three-way handhold. I thought that was cute. Yes. This, this is what I'm saying. Like, I we see so little of Kairi and Riku that, like... You know, it's very easy to forget that his entire motivation for the first game was trying to rescue Kyrie. Like, the three of them are best friends. And sometimes, sometimes it kind of feels like they frame it like these are Sora's friends who have to hang out together sometimes. Yeah, but they, you know, they, yeah, they started on the islands all hanging out every day. Yeah. And Riku uh, got maybe a little bit jealous. Maybe. Who's to say? Uh, and who's to say of whom? A lot of people will tell you one thing. Uh, I read a some, lot of people will tell you another thing. I read some fanfics that sure seem to. <laughs> they it seems like more fanfics lean towards Riku. Uh, Look, I I'm not a shipper. I don't have a shipping bone in my body. I have a lot of respect for the Soriku community. I think that it it makes so much sense, and I absolutely can't argue with it. Uh, I will say textually. I think it's very clear that Sora is in love with Kyrie and vice versa. So I, I as a non-shipper, just have to be happy for the two of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, have fun and ship, but it's very clear what the story is actually saying. Yes, although I, I do, I, <laughs> I don't want to like shit on on that ship because I think I think that if if that was canon, I think it would be a great story. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that'd be more interesting for sure. But that's just not what's happening. Yeah, uh, but again, full full respect to the Soriku community. Have fun. Uh, I hope that didn't sound condescending. I'm trying so hard not to sound condescending. That's not what I mean. <laughs> People can't tell when you're joking ever, apparently. So that is true. I I am I am being very completely serious right now. <laughs> uh, it is very funny that uh, it's not until Kingdom Hearts three that the hardware was able to handle more than two party members. <laughs> So it is pretty good that it's like Riku joins the party and you're like, oh, hell yeah, Donald, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> well, well, uh, but yeah, Riku joins the party. They have some really sick team attacks together. Uh, they, oh, God, Ansem sets up his gun and <laughs> points it at Kingdom Hearts and explains what it is for. And he says that it is a device that will encode Kingdom Hearts into data, removing it from the world. This is and what... Mickey says, I don't get it. And Ansem says, yeah, me neither, man. Yeah, this, when he said that he's encoding Kingdom Hearts as data, I just sighed really, really big and paused the video <laughs> for a second. And I was like, oh. Well, I you, you were probably relieved then when the gun exploded and didn't work. I was actually pretty happy about that. Cause I, like, I like I like a lot about these games. The fucking digital world stuff, I am not a fan of. <laughs> no, me neither, which is really exciting for when it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. No, it's, 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 I mean, other than Tron, 
Uh, but it's very clear. Yes, we love Tron. We love- God, there's such a good Tron scene in the in the credits montage. Oh fuck! I don't think I watched that. Oh no! I'll have to show it to you. Okay, uh, but we're not there yet. We're not even right. fucking close. Uh- <laughs> Uh, they enter a weird room. I don't remember if there was any cutscene footage of this. Did you see the room that kind of looked like a graveyard with, like, smashed things all over the floor? Oh, no, I, I did not see that. Okay, so this room is called the Proof of Existence, is the, like, room name that pops up when you walk into the room. It's basically the organization Graveyard. Every member besides Xemnas has this, like, they each get their own sort of obelisk thing. Mm-hmm. And the dead members, theirs are destroyed. There's only two left, Syx and Luke Swords. Uh, Roxas's is destroyed, but the shattered remains of it are still lit up like Syx and Luke Swords. Hmm. Because even though he doesn't exist anymore, he is still alive in some form, which is a little, little r slash uh, movie details for video games. Yeah. Uh, what I have to assume here is that with the addition of each new member, they set up these obelisks to shatter automatically when they died. Uh, the implication of this seems to be that since a nobody they always say is non-existence, being destroyed means existing again, in a sense. I think? Hmm. Because it's proof of existence. The dead ones are the ones who don't unexist. Yeah? Oh, I didn't even... Yeah. Okay. Yes. I think I buy that. And here's one more silly fun fact. Uh, each one has a little diagram of the member's weapon, uh, and it's it's like on the floor in front of their obelisk. Zexians, the floor is like blown up, <laughs> because when the game came out, uh, they still hadn't revealed what his weapon was, and Nomura was like, well, that would be a stupid way to reveal it. Well, he's right. He's right. Uh yeah, we we didn't find out what Zexion had until days, although uh uh Rechain of Memories did add in a fight with Zexion that didn't originally exist. Uh, uh for reasons that are unclear, uh okay, the mechanically what's going on here is that the back of the room has a gate that is locked and it's implied and turns out to be correct that in order to open that gate all the organization members except for Xemnas have to be destroyed first. I don't know if they were necessarily aware of how this room worked <laughs> when they joined. Yeah, that seems like I wouldn't be on board with that. <laughs> Xemnas is like, Syx, can you come here? We're setting up your obelisk. And, and you're like, what does it do? Don't worry about it. Okay, boss. <laughs> <laughs> Put on this not heart monitor. Why? Don't worry about it, I said. I just want to make sure you're okay at all times. <laughs> there, it's lit up. Isn't that nice and pretty? Go- well, get back to work. I'm going to go check my email. I have to pay this invoice for these uh, self-destruct. I mean, yes, the heart <laughs> monitors. Uh, for reasons that are absolutely, uh, there is no way in hell that there's any lore explanation in mind for it, uh, the obelisks also function as portals to take you to boss arenas. Hmm. I don't know, maybe that was Xemnas' plan. Like, hey, when the time comes, any, any, uh, organization member who Sora hasn't killed yet, he can take the portal to you and kill you there. (laughs) Yeah, because I want you all to die. I want you all dead before 
before I win. I don't know. I I really don't expect to ever get a future game that like really delves into what the hell was going on here because why would that happen? <laughs> but I'm also fascinated by this setup. Yeah, sometimes things are just there cuz it's a game. Not in my Kingdom Hearts. No. Until it's not. Until later it's like, "Oh wait, no, that was totally a thing." Uh good news though. Because it's time for Luke Sword. They take the portal to fight him. Uh, and the first thing he does is he summons a bunch of giant cards, which trap everyone but Sora and just make them vanish. And the second thing that he does is he turns Sora into a die. Sure does. I guess, you know what? No matter how this fight goes, at least Luke Sword can say that he made Sora die. Oh. He also turns himself into a card, so it, it's not just Sora that gets to have a fun time. Yes, he does love to turn himself into cards. Uh, this is the silliest gimmick fight you'll ever see with the coolest soundtrack. <laughs> I, re- I fucking love this boss music. I believe it's the 13th Struggle is the name. So fucking good. I might open this episode with it. I really uh, just don't get the whole replacing your health bar with a time bar that just works. Yeah, it's functionally a health bar. See, that's something that I'm fascinated with because I don't want to get too into this. But, you know, I have said that we do not know Luke Sword's original name yet. Right. So we do know that he's still in play. And the fact that his elemental affinity is time and the way that he manifests that in combat is that he says, no health bar. I'm going to give you a health bar made of time. But it, when you when I hit you, you lose time. Really, the only thing is that you can't heal. That's all it really is. Yeah, and then he has a smaller health bar, I feel like, than the other bosses. Yeah, it's very silly, and the fact that Luxord was given such a ridiculously powerful-sounding affinity and uses it for this is either uh, very characterizing of him as a guy, or there's some shit going on with this man. Yeah, he was just fucking around the whole time. Yeah. Uh, but we don't we don't know, so that's that. Uh, did, you, did you happen to catch the part in the fight where uh, he surrounds Sora with, like, a big circular wall of giant cards, and Sora just stands very calmly in, like, thinking pose? Yes, I did see that. It looks really cool, especially with this very intense music playing over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've I've fought Luke Sword a few times, and to this day, I still don't really know how his fight works. I mean, there's a lot of, like, he does sort of a shell game with cards that you have to hit the right one, or I assume you get hurt. Yeah, or something. Yeah. Anyway, he's dead. Uh, does he have any last thing? Oh, yeah, the the last thing that happens with him is he in we go into cutscene mode. He tries to like put up a barrier of cards to defend himself, and Sora just slashes right through them, and Luke Sword goes, How could you, Roxas? And Sora says, That's Sora, and then Luke Sword dies. Yep. Just piling more Roxas stuff onto the pile. Secret Ransom Report 9. <laughs> I should have expected nothing less from a Keyblade-wielding hero. (laughs) I made that sound very, like, pissed off, which I don't think it was supposed to be. Sora and friends defied the machinations of Organization 13 and rescued Naminé. 
Namine was a witch who controlled the memories of others. Most likely, these powers were achieved through a special process when she was born. Namine is a nobody created when a young girl's heart left her body, yet she has no corresponding heartless. This is because the young girl, in this case, was a princess. Kyrie, a resident of Radiant Garden over which I had ruled, was one of the seven princesses that uphold the realm of light. With no darkness in her heart, Kyrie produced no heartless, and instead of vanishing, her body remained in the realm of light. In other words, both the nobody called Namine and the heartless, proof of a lost heart, are extremely unstable beings who lack the bodies needed to produce a nobody. Therefore, they also lack Kyrie's memories. One reason for this may be that Kyrie's heart did not return to the darkness when separated from her body, but rather migrated to another vessel deep within Sora's heart. That is, Namine is an alter ego of the Kyrie who has directly interfered with Sora's heart. Could this be why Sora and those hearts connected to him were able to have their memories controlled? She is a non-being in the truest sense of the word, having not even become a nobody, and with nowhere left to go, she is but the most fleeting of shadows. Not even become a nobody. <laughs> we, I, I think, I don't think we mentioned it, but when she's, like, escaping with Kyrie, we do see that she's, like, already sort of fading away. Like, yeah. she, she is very quickly losing her ability to exist in the world. Well, it's whenever she's touching Kyrie, right, that she starts being, like, absorbed? Uh, maybe. That, that might be what, what caused it. Yeah, I actually, that's a good point. I don't know. Uh, here's something interesting from this report. Uh, Ansem refers to Kyrie, the apparent princess of heart of Radiant Garden, as a resident of Radiant Garden. Well, she was originally, right? So she, she was. I. It's it's still very unclear what her place in the world was, because like when her grandma was telling her story, she was in the castle library. Right. But the ruler of the world just says that she's a resident of the world. Oh, well, you know, libraries are often open to the public. <laughs> In the castle? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's also interesting that there's a castle, but Ansem is never... I don't think he's ever referred to as, like, the king of Radiant Garden. Was he not? Was he not called the king in, like, the first game? I don't think so. I think they only ever say, like, the ruler of the world. Well, that's basically saying that he's king sure it 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 just makes me wonder if maybe there's i don't know like ansem was sort of the president slash dictator and then and then there's like a royal family i don't know okay sure yeah i could buy that yeah we don't we don't really know anything about that stuff but yeah, I think I think a lot of people playing these games for the first time sort of start to wonder if Kyrie is a princess and she's from Radiant Garden. A lot of people I've heard, although th this never occurred to me when I played, but I've heard a lot of people start wondering in Kingdom Hearts 1, oh god, is Ansem her dad? And no, it seems like they are completely unrelated. No, I don't yeah, I never got that impression. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really know how she fits into the world of Radiant Garden, but maybe we'll find out someday. Well, uh, next they go through. Oh, yeah. Go just ahead. real quick, I, I, to me, princess doesn't seem like it has to do with being royalty. It's like a metaphysical <laughs> uh, reality of the world a or pure something. Pure of heart, yeah. Type deal, yeah. Because like yeah. Alice from Alice in Wonderland is not a princess. She's just an important pure of heart girl. Yeah, I feel like she's the one. Well, no, I don't know. I was going to say she's the one, like, major anomaly, but, like, Cinderella's not a princess until she marries the prince. 
Yeah, exactly. I don't even remember. Is Snow White a princess in any way? I, I, yeah, I haven't she seen is. Snow she, White. She is the royal family, yeah. She, okay, she is the princess. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, at, at the very least, uh, Alice shows that you don't have to be literally a princess, as in a member of the royal lineage, to be a princess of heart. Although, I do always wonder if Alice being a princess of heart was kind of a oops, we had to change something <laughs> kind of situation. That's I've always had that vibe, but I don't know. Uh, why is that? Uh, I don't know. It just, it always... It always felt like it was supposed to be Ariel to me. Oh, because Ariel isn't? Yeah, because she's not a princess of heart, but she feels like she should be. Yeah, I guess I forgot that she wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, that probably so, that probably is just like a Disney was like, mm, you know, you don't get that one. I, in my mind, and I, I think I kind of half joked about this at the time, but in my mind, I think it's always been just a, a matter of practicality how are they going to take Ariel out of Atlantica? Sure, right. Yeah, oh yeah, we talked about that. Like, if she'd be sitting in, like, a funny tank all the <laughs> yeah. whole time. So, yeah, I've always kind of assumed that behind the scenes they sort of had to rework things, and they were like, well, it's basically at that point going to be, like, Jane, Alice, or Sally. Right. Um, And, <laughs> I don't know, maybe they were like, well... You know, Jane Jane is kind of rude to Clayton that one time. <laughs> so she's <laughs> she's no princess of heart. Yeah, and it's also, you know, uh I think that Alice is just a more recognizable classic Disney character. Yeah. God, how nuts would it have been though if it was Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, Jane? <laughs> Jane, cue Phil Collins music. <laughs> You'll be princess of heart no matter what they say. <laughs> uh, we go to Syx's portal next. Uh, he's just looking up at Kingdom Hearts as they love to do. Uh, which, to be fair, so would I in that situation. Looks very cool. He pulls out his gigantic fucking sword. Yeah. Uh, I think all of their weapons have names. This is the only one that I remember off the top of my head is uh, uh, Claymore. Makes sense. Makes sense. Because it's made of so much clay that if you try to make it, you need to get more clay. <laughs> I gotta think. I'm gonna take another close look at it here. Right. Okay. That's right. Did I? Yeah. Did I see when I watched this fight? Did Sora jump on it and ride it around, or did he have a different key, key, blade, key blade that kind of looked like it that he was riding around? <laughs> on? So uh, this is something that we haven't really talked about at all. I think I mentioned last week with Roxas's samurai that every that every organization member has a, a type of nobody that they kind of control. Mm -hmm. And every, every one of those, I believe, I don't, I don't think there are any who don't fit this. I think every one of those organization affiliated nobodies, uh, organization member affiliated nobodies, I should say, have their own like reaction command that you can do with them. So like, the samurai one you do like a like a cool like standoff and then like a, a cool anime like quick slash or whatever. Right. Uh Syx has I think his are called Berserkers. And yes, you can knock them off of their gigantic swords and take them, and there is a very weird, kind of busted looking animation <laughs> of Sora just like kind of sliding around the battlefield. 
Yeah, it looks like he for a second kind of uses it as like a, ho- a hoverboard of some kind. Yes, and then you that, that is what science. you saw. Yeah, okay. Okay. I don't remember if Sora takes Syx's or if if Syx summons some berserkers that Sora can take them from. But it's, it's, yes. It's probably the second thing. I probably That is that is what happens. Got it. Okay. Uh, he does also call him Roxas for good measure. Right. Uh and yeah, we we learn that Syx is an absolute beast of a man. Yeah. He does all sorts this, of combos and this is a tough fight. He's really strong. Yeah, it looked incredibly hard to dodge a lot of those attacks. Yeah, cuz he like slam I mean, I keep calling it a sword, but it's it's like a gigantic club basically. And he like slams it into the ground and there's like a huge shockwave that comes off of it. Yeah. He's he's a scary man. It's kind of cool. Yeah, and uh when Sora kills him, uh Syx, this is what I I was saying earlier when I was like, yeah, they're all pretty okay with it. No, wait, Syx is really not because the last thing that he says is he says uh why kingdom hearts where is my heart? So yeah, Syx he he had goals. <laughs> he was not here to die. No, definitely not. Come to think of it, I think I think Zigbar might actually be the only one who seemed completely okay with it. Yeah, again, Zigbar just seemed like he was kind of around to have a good time. And he had he's good... literally just here for a laugh. Yeah. Uh I did think it was weird. Uh I think we were kind of talking about this before the podcast, but Syx's like machinations kind of just don't factor into any of this. No, he just dies before really getting to try anything yeah it, it it never comes up once in the game it it does make me wonder if they just hadn't planned that when days came, because lest we forget days comes out after this game right that's true so it is entirely possible that when they wrote all of this Syx was just the the heavy the the right hand man yeah i, I would know. buy that they there was enough going on in this game already yeah but Sora finally gets fed up, having gotten his, I believe, 11th kill of his life, um, and turns to Riku and says, Why the fuck is everybody calling me Roxas? And Riku just very matter-of-factly is like, Oh, Roxas is your nobody, and you absorbed him into your heart. <laughs> Which, shouldn't Sora know this? He had a weird confrontation with Roxas just a little bit ago. From his perspective, though... I don't think it was ever really clear how that mysterious boy related to him. Uh, okay. That was he just, said... He just had a vision on the street. Yeah, he said some vague stuff. Uh, why did he choose you? You make a good other. But, I mean, classic, very smart Sora. In this moment, we learn that he legitimately forgot he ever became heartless. He's like, I was never heartless. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, oh, right. I did become a heartless. I did do that. I did do that. Oops. Uh, But yeah, Riku says uh, Roxas was working for the organization, but then he betrayed them. He betrayed Xemnas. And also he was extremely strong and he's the reason that I had to turn into Ansem. We get we get the scene where uh, Roxas fought Riku. We already know this. We already saw this, but this would have been the first time we would actually have seen it uh, at the time. Um. There's a lot of them alluding to the first time that Roxas fought Riku. I think I said last week, like, 
When did Roxas ever beat Riku? That must have happened, and I just forgot about it. Yeah, there's there's, a, there's an earlier fight in the game before the big. I guess cool I just fight. completely forgot that happened. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Sora Sora says that he wishes he could have met Roxas, and Riku just points to Sora's heart, and Sora says, "Hmm, this is Kingdom Hearts. This is Kingdom Hearts." He should have stabbed himself in the heart again to let <laughs> to let him out. He can't. He doesn't have a keyblade of heart. Oh right. Well, go go get Mickey's. <laughs> That's not a keyblade of heart. Is it's it a keyblade of darkness. Oh okay. All right. As far as I know, as far as we've been told, keyblades of heart are a very specific and very uncommon thing. Which is why, in order to make one, they had to gather the princess of heart. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Secret answer report 12. Apart from Namine, nobody's retained their memories of their time as humans, but Sora's nobody, Roxas, has lost Sora's memories. This is likely because Sora's time as a Heartless was short, having recovered his heart and returned to his human form soon after leaving behind Roxas, his nobody. It would seem Roxas is much like Namine. Namine is Kairi's nobody, but came into being via Sora's body and soul. Likewise, Roxas is Sora's nobody, but was left behind because Sora's Heartless regained human form using Kairi's heart instead of his own. Uh, I'm I'm trying to do the math on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. It may... Oh! No, okay. Okay, this makes sense. It may be that Sora's memories are slow to return because the half of him that is Roxas is still lacking. So Sora lost his heart. Kairi kind of used hers to give him a foundation for his being. But he didn't fully recover his heart until Roxas recombined with him. I think that makes sense. Maybe. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I don't want to think about it too much because I might realize that it doesn't make sense. No, I think it makes sense. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> it makes sense like how Ansem's residue is in Riku's heart. I buy it. Well, speaking of things that uh, make sense for Ansem to do, I must convert Roxas into Data and return him to Sora. I still don't know why you, know, you I still don't know why you did this. <laughs> when you're writing stuff like that, I think you kind of just need to take I feel like Ansem, he just discovered the data conversion technology and he was like he's just like, you know when you get like a label maker and you just start labeling everything in your house? Yeah, I yeah, like when you get a data converter and you turn your dog into data. That's right. That's right. He's 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 labeling everything. He's partitioning his family's computer with Ubuntu. And he's turning everything in sight into data. Yeah, and he's, as he says later, programming people based off of copies of their hearts. Um, God, he was really on, he was really on fine. one, and I still don't think it made sense for him to do that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, in this case, he literally just did it to have somewhere to hide Roxas. But I still just don't just talk to him and say, "Hey, I'm gonna I, uh, whatever." <laughs> well, that. I, I skipped over it, and we are in the middle of an Ansem report, but that's fine. I skipped over it, but Riku did say, like, I, I wonder if I even needed to fight Roxas, because looking back, I think all he really wanted was to meet you. So right. it is possible, although this would have been incredibly out of character for Ansem, the nobody hater, that they could have just talked to Roxas, but I don't know. Even then, would Roxas necessarily be down to just be like, yeah. That's fine. I will I will just stop existing. He got there eventually. But yeah, yeah. very begrudgingly. Yes. 
Uh, as a member of Organization 13, it was exceedingly difficult to bring Roxas in. Having lost to Roxas once, Riku laid everything on the line and used the power of darkness in their second battle, only just managing to bring Roxas back with him. But Organization 13 grows ever nearer. Here, Twilight Town, is where Roxas was reborn as a nobody. This is where Roxas first encountered Organization 13 and joined its ranks. They are bound to search this place thoroughly. First, I shall convert all of Twilight Town into data. <laughs> you say that like it's such a normal thing to do. Yeah, you know, the thing we don't the thing we would all do in this situation. First, I shall convert all of Twilight Town into data and construct a world duplicate in Sora's memories. I shall place Roxas within that world to live out his days and regain those memories. There is little time. The organization's schemes must be making steady progress as well. It's a lot of shit you just said, Ansem. Yeah, I mean, I just hear the data and just start. I just start getting sleepy. <laughs> uh, that's that's what happened to Roxas. Oh yeah. Uh, they go back to the proof of existence. The gate is open. They did it. Woohoo! The the kill switch has been engaged. <laughs> they go up to the roof of the castle where, uh, or they no, not not quite up to the roof, but. Closer to the roof, Ansem the Wise is continuing to try to digitize Kingdom Hearts. Uh, The data gun is starting to shake, and he just kind of laughs at himself. He's like, I can't believe I ever thought this would work. It's really funny that that, that this is how everything comes together, is Ansem fucked up by being too confident in his ability to do stuff with hearts. With data. With data. Tron, he he loved Tron way too much, and he thought that he could do anything with Data. You should have had Tron make the machine. Oh, Tron would have made a perfect machine. He's our perfect boy. He is. Uh, but yeah, he, he basically says, like, my simulated Twilight Town, I programmed people to imitate people with hearts, and that worked. But Kingdom Hearts is just this gigantic construct of real hearts and there's no way that I can encode all of that. Because hearts are too complicated, basically. They're way too complicated. Like, he he has not even made a dent in Kingdom Hearts, and his machine is completely overwhelmed. Yeah, I guess he didn't really do any simulation or testing. He just was like, this seems good enough, and brought it with him. <laughs> well, he he is very open about the fact that this was a desperate move that he has no idea if it was ever going to work. That's true. Uh, but yeah, he he says that uh, when Kyrie connected with Roxas, that was when he knew uh, that hearts were more than simple systems that could be encoded into data. But he he just couldn't accept it. Yep. Uh, and as soon as Sora was back, he finally understood that there was no way that all of his research-based data-related plans were ever going to work. And he tells Mickey to back away before the machine explodes. And Sora and friends arrive and he tells Sora, uh, the rest is up to him. He says, Roxas, if you're there, if you can hear me, I'm sorry for everything. Xemnas appears and just briefly taunts him and calls him pathetic. I think he says, like, how convenient to have all of my worst enemies here at once. (laughs) Yeah. He's he's really having a good one. This is a really cool confrontation, though, because I get the feeling that Ansem, he would love to face off against the the apprentice who betrayed him. But he just doesn't really get that that satisfaction because Xemnas 
is a nobody. So there, he can't really like have this heated, this heated confrontation that he has always imagined because he's just talking to an emotionless husk. Yeah, who he doesn't really, yeah, he doesn't see him as that person really. Yeah, like if if he had if he had met like Ansem Seeker of Darkness, the heartless of Xehanort, I think that maybe he could have gotten what he wanted out of that, but yeah, Xemnas is just like no, this is great. I I've gotten everything I've ever wanted. You're at the mercy of your heart. Uh what what does he say? Oh, uh he says all all you are is is a jealous man, jealous of the apprentice who surpassed him. And we get a great Ansem line here, which is uh Xehanort, foolish apprentice of a foolish man. You have surpassed nothing. Only proved how little we both know. I'm afraid that any world you try to create any world of yours would be an empire of ignorance. That is why you and your creation are destined to fall. Yeah, that rules. That's fucking great. Uh, also, so so good to hear Christopher Lee saying all of these words. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I really like his line. He's like, I try to wrap my, my mind around what my heart already knows, but I always fail. Yeah. I think that's really good. Um, yeah, it's a very cool moment of this, the the scientist who, like, pushed at the limits of both, like, research and, you know, human morals, and basically only now that he's sort of at the end of this futile, futile quest for revenge that was never going to work, does he realize that he was just so misguided the whole time. I, you you kind of get that sense of like why why can't my research fully like comprehend what the human heart's nature is? Yeah, and I think that with that line too, it's also kind of like a very relatable feeling, which is like sometimes there's just stuff that you know or understand um, intuitively that you that you can't really get to with science. Yes, yeah. uh, and. He tells Mickey that he's sorry, and the machine explodes, and when the smoke clears, he is gone. It is a little weird how he's like, no, my heart's telling me I need to stay with this machine and get blown up with it. I don't really get why he couldn't walk away from it and let it blow up, but I guess yeah, his, heart, I think this his is... heart told him he needed to die, I guess. Yeah, guilt, probably. Uh, yeah. Not not to mention, I think, I think on some level, he's kind of just like, I've... I've like refuse to accept the nature of the heart all this time. I'm just going to do what mine is telling me now. Fair enough. Yeah. Bye, Ansem. Bye. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you were kind of a jerk and you were kind of a jerk. You were really racist against nobodies. And you're, also you're the reason this is all happening. Also, nobody likes to talk about this, but when you were bandaged up like Diz, you were kind of doing blackface a little bit. I yeah, I did kind of want to talk about that, but didn't know how. Yeah, not good. There's a there's a very weird recurring thing that I I really I really really don't think Nomura knows what he's doing. Where it does kind of feel like when it comes to the evil man of Xehanort, the closer he gets to darkness, that seems to be represented by his skin getting a little bit darker. 
Yeah. Although we will eventually meet young Xehanort and he, he that's just what his skin looks yeah, like. Yeah, Xehanort's just dark skinned, right? Yeah. But then that creates the separate issue of why is the most evil man in the universe also the one the only person who has like notably darker skin? <sighs> yeah. There's also Waka. Yeah, well, Nomura didn't invent Waka. Wait, maybe he did. I think he did, but... I think he did. <laughs> I think he did, and Waka is evil and racist, so never mind. Waka's not evil, he's just racist. Well, isn't being racist kind of evil? Yeah, you know what? I think when that came out of my mouth, I realized how... Uh... <laughs> Surely by the end of the game, he learns that the Albed are not his enemies. He, he does learn that, yeah. He must learn how he, not to be racist. He does learn to be a better person, that's true. Uh, anyway, hearts start raining down over the cities. We get a really, really weird, interesting, cool, kind of hilarious shot of the dusks, like, across the city, like, frantically reaching up to grab the hearts. Yeah, 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 I thought that was really good. It's really, like, unlike anything Kingdom Hearts really shows us. And the Dusks having such weird, jerky animations also just made it really, like, creepy looking. I, I love that shot. Yeah, that's I, I would love to see that, like, actually, like, rendered, you know, in, in like, a good cutscene. Yeah. Um, I was hoping they would transform or something. It doesn't appear that it had really any effect on them. Yeah, I think, um, I think that what this is, is it's, it's more showing that the Dusks want hearts of their own and less that they are able to obtain them by like grabbing them and eating them <laughs> fair enough yeah Cause, oh right because when the hearts actually hit the ground they all just turn into heartless yeah yeah that's right that that is what happens okay yeah because you get that really also cool shot of all the heartless climbing up yes just a gigantic army of shadows climbing up the castle walls uh Meanwhile, when the uh, the smoke clears, not only is Ansem gone, but so is Ansem, the bad one, because Riku is Riku again. Yeah, the and the light explosion blasted the Ansem right out of him. And one of the most pathetic bits of writing I've ever seen is that Sora's like, "Whoa, how did that happen?" And Mickey says, "Well, Ansem did say anything could happen." I felt like, yeah, and that's a I, that's a very bad line, and it's also like, I feel like I got it. He got blasted really hard with light, and so now he now he uh, doesn't have Ansem in him anymore. <laughs> I honestly never even thought about it that far. Mickey's line was such a, I don't know, that I was just like, I don't know, it's like when you get startled and stop having hiccups. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, to me, I thought it was like, it, I really thought about... Um, you know, when they open Kingdom Hearts and Kingdom Hearts 1, the nature of hearts is light. And so mm-hmm. a bunch of hearts exploded, so a bunch of light came out the same way, and it banished the Ansem right out of him. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Now I'm the one saying that makes sense. Yeah. To something completely wild off the wall bullshit, Kingdom Hearts. It doesn't feel that wild to me anymore. And, and hey, that's, <laughs> that's Kingdom Hearts, I guess. You've become immersed. I have. Now you know how I'm feeling all the time. <laughs> <laughs> this is where Sora finally gets Riku to take off his blindfold and Mickey says something something it was so his eyes couldn't lie to him uh, and Sora says why didn't you just rely on your friends 
And then Donald, Goofy, Mickey, Kyrie, and Sora all, like, stand shoulder to shoulder, and they each get a moment to pose and smile. (laughs) (laughs) It's very silly, and Riku just says, because I'm not a total sap like you, but he's joking. Yeah, he's just trying to be cool. And he throws off his coat, and we see that he's wearing a cool vest and jeans with studded belt, slightly exposed midriff, and like a like a wrist brace yeah yeah and it was a very cool yakuza throw throw off the robe thing Um, oh yeah yeah it seems like you maybe would want to hold on to that thing it's actually pretty useful but you know what it it, it was i would say it's incredibly useful especially considering that very soon after this riku tries to open a corridor of darkness riku you know what you're supposed to do when you go into those it's have that coat on yeah he just got so used to it uh, rate this fit. What do you think? I like it. It's. I also like it. It's of the time. <laughs> Absolutely. But it looks good on Riku. I I like that he's wearing jeans. Yeah. <laughs> it's far and away the most normal thing we've seen anyone wear in Kingdom Hearts, which really goes to show how ridiculous the outfits are. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about that, too. I remember I was looking at Kyrie's outfit at one point, which is, like, actually fairly normal, but her shirt does have, like, three z- vertical zippers on it. Yeah, it's mostly made of zippers. Yeah. Secret answer report 11. <laughs> okay. I think I've got one more after this. All right. Uh, Yes, one more. I was reunited with an old friend at Castle Oblivion, but was unable to disclose my identity. If he knew the situation, he would likely try to stop me from carrying out my revenge. As much as I would dearly love to converse with him as in the old days, that is now but a hopeless dream. My friend has been fighting in the realm of darkness. Most likely he found his way there through Traverse Town. Like Castle Oblivion, that village also rests in the cleft between light and dark. It consists of the remnants of worlds whose hearts have been stolen by the Heartless. It is where those who have barely escaped the destruction of their worlds eventually find find themselves. I was going to say Heartless for no reason. This realm between is quite unstable, with corridors of darkness appearing from time to time. Whenever a world disappears, some of its inhabitants must arrive here through those corridors. Surely Sora traveled these same corridors of darkness when he first came to Traverse Town. It seems my friend fighting in the realm of darkness appeared in Castle Oblivion through a corridor of darkness constructed by Organization 13. My new ally, Riku, also affected his return via one of these corridors. He swore to me that he would give his all for his best friend Sora, In fact, Sora's memories have been slow to return. Thus I have asked Riku to bring me another Sora, his nobody. Sora is indispensable if I am to achieve my goal. I require the Keyblade-wielding hero to fly through the Realm of Light and defeat Organization 13. Hmm. We never actually learned how Sora ended up in Traverse Town until now. Yeah, that's true, we didn't. Because we know that Traverse Town was destroyed by a dark side, so I guess it makes sense because he goes flying into that darkness ball in the sky... Maybe right. that was, like, a gigantic corridor of darkness that, like, sucked in the entire island. Oh, yeah. Could be. That's my guess. Cool to think about. Yeah. Uh, also, this kind of uh, explains the question of why couldn't uh, Ansem just have recruited Roxas? Because he needs someone who can exist in the Realm of Light, which we are continually told that nobody's can't, even though I still don't know what the basis for that is we see them there all the time we do maybe maybe it's a matter of like stability they can't be there for too long Mm. i don't know i don't don't know that we will ever get an answer on that 
Maybe, again, it's just him being a nobody racist. He just really doesn't want to work with them. Yeah. They get swarmed by shadows again. Hundreds and hundreds of shadows. And shadows are very powerful in cutscenes, so this is bad news. <laughs> uh, but Maleficent and Pete appear, and she says, go deal with Xemnas. And there's a moment here where I think she says, like, I think she says something to Pete, like, you're going to fight these heartless with me or something. And he says, frankly, my dear, I'd rather run. <laughs> yeah. Pete. Was that supposed to be a God with the Wind reference? Uh, I think that's just how he talks. Frankly, my dear, is such a wild thing to say to Maleficent. It, it is. You know what? I don't think I want Pete to die anymore. He's been fun the last couple times I saw him. Yeah. Although, again, I do want him to get out of this relationship. <laughs> yeah, this is a bad relationship. He meets Mickey, though, for the first time all game, which I, I love to see. I totally forgot about this. And he's like, well, 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 if it ain't the Boat Boy King, which is such a funny thing to call me. I, I love Boat Boy King. Um, boat Boy King. <laughs> and uh, Mickey says, uh, I think he says, like, oh, is it time to weigh anchor, Captain Pete? And Pete is like, fuck you. How dare you? I I know I just said that I was going to run away, but then you put it in boat terms. You know the way to my heart. The heart so, is yeah, full of light and dark and boat terms. I really I really didn't get the sense that Mickey was trying to own him there. Mickey felt very sincere. It honestly felt like Mickey was just kind of acknowledging Pete as his former boss, as his former captain. Pete's just very insecure. He's incredibly insecure, and the fact that the Boat Boy King, his his former steamboat driver, who has since become the king of his realm, uh, when he when he sees him, he ha- he suddenly has something to prove. So he does go back to helping Maleficent. Yep. Which is, you know, I guess it's nice to see Pete stand up for himself, kind of <laughs> backwards, but he does do it. It's growth, I guess. Sure, let's go with that. Yeah. Uh, But Maleficent says again, yet again, she's like, make no mistake, I'm not your friend. I just want this castle. So go kill Xemnas. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's right. This is we get another moment, uh, like with Ansem exploding, where Sora's like, I don't like this. And Mickey's like, don't interfere with what their hearts are telling them to do. Ha ha. Yeah, some really weird philosophy from Mickey, which is like, if someone's following their heart, he won't get in the way. (laughs) Never stop someone from following their heart, no matter how evil they are. (laughs) Okay, we are making the executive decision right here, right now. Numbers be damned. (laughs) We are going to have 14 episodes about Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah, this is, it'll be secret Ansem episode 14. That's right. Or zero. I'll go back and renumber all of our episodes, starting with zero. Perfect. Then we we did it. Problem solved. <laughs> so yeah, next time, next time, next time, we will talk about the final battle with Xemnas and everything that happens after that. And yeah, you you are right <laughs> that we need to cut it here because <laughs> we have a secret boss to talk about. We have multiple secret ending cinematics. Yeah, and, and, and we have another Ansem report. And I'm excited to talk about all the wild stuff that happens here at the end of the game. 
And also maybe for you to explain some of the stuff that happens here at the end of the game, because <laughs> I don't think it all made sense to me, even though I actually watched a lot more gameplay than normal. Well, I, I can't I cannot wait to find out what those questions are, but I will have to wait one week. One week. We'll we'll be fine. We'll live. <laughs> I I had a note that says please be a boat and I he wasn't a boat, but it was still pretty weird, so I'll I'll take it. <laughs> That's the teaser. If you if you haven't played this game, wonder what Xemnas became that wasn't a boat, but wasn't entirely out of the realm of a big boat. No, it's actually more interesting than a big boat. Yes, but we can't talk about that now because I'll get too excited and we'll just finish the episode and it'll be three hours long. That's right. Uh, that's well. Now it's time for everyone's favorite segment. Oh God! <laughs> I can tell you forgot, so I'm just gonna say it's time for Wishes Duck. Oh no! Uh, this week, I think we should say please be a boat as <laughs> Donald Duck or the Boat Boy <laughs> King. Uh, which, what do you think? Uh, we can we can do a couple because I really wanted to say, ooh, I I haven't done it in a while. Yeah, me either. Well, well, well. Can we get a well, 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 the boat boy king? Well, 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 the boat boy. That's not bad. I think that's one of your better ones. I think it's yeah. I think I'm close to a breakthrough. <laughs> Next week we will finish Kingdom Hearts, and you will master the Donald Duck voice. It's just it's as as was foretold. Um... <laughs> Nope. There. Oh. What was that? Please be a big boat. I was trying to say, please be a boat. <laughs> I like the idea of Donald wanting to see another big boat. God, he loves a boat. He's a little sailor. A little sailor. He was just hoping to find another boat. Didn't happen. <laughs> well, we we didn't intend to end it here, but we will. We will be back next time to talk about the end of Kingdom Hearts 2, plus some, some cool extra shit. Uh, we will talk about Lingering Will. Get excited about that. I've never fought him, so don't expect me to have any gameplay notes on that. It if looked, this is where you were coming for walkthrough tips. It looks hard as hell. It looks impossible. <laughs> uh But yeah, for now, you can find us on co-host at Sounds About Light, Twitter at Sounds... Outlight. I'm on co-host at Positive Stress. I'm on co-host at Achilles Healies. Anything else? Uh, what are we doing on Doctor Who? Huh? We're going to be watching a Peter Capaldi Doctor Who episode called The Forest of the Night, I think. I don't know anything about it. I hope it's good. Maybe. And on Zero to Zero, we are going to be watching some more Fantastic. We got to part two of three of Blade Trinity. Blade part three, part two. Not good. It's not a good movie. It's not. It's not a good movie. I. I think. I think that the moment that everyone has asked if I've seen it yet is coming up next time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. But for zero to zero, next time means two episodes from now. Yeah, it's not a good movie for someone that doesn't like Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> well, zero to zero is not a good podcast for somebody who doesn't like Ryan Reynolds because the man has somehow, without any charisma or charm. Carved out a space in the world of superhero films. Damn. <laughs> I mean, I uh, I think I like him more than you do, but... I, not, <laughs> a lot of people do. But I'm not going to argue. No, nor should you. No. Anything else? 
No, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for listening. Thank you for bearing with us as we geared up for a extremely long episode and then only made a very long episode. Yeah, I think the best is yet to come, but uh, just you wait. Oh, God. I don't know why I thought that we'd be able to get through this much in one episode. I thought we could, too, and then it was just like, it's not happening. So It's not happening. No. Well, kudos to you for your restraint. And like we say at the end of every episode... <laughs> Keyblade! Keyblade. Well, if it ain't the boat boy key... Time to weigh anchor, Captain Pete. What, like abandoned ship? I don't think so. Sora, your majesty, do not forget, when I've destroyed them all, this castle shall be mine. Now looky here, opportunities like this don't come along every day, you know. Bring them on!